Welcome to the Lions Roar Dharma Center podcast from Dona Darge Temple. This public talk by Lama Yeshe Jinpa was recorded during a regularly scheduled Monday evening teaching. Madhyamaka Vatara. This is what you're reading now. Who's reading it? Yeah, that's fantastic. So, actually, the whole um, Chandrakirti's whole text, uh, you know, people go, oh my God, another big book. Actually, the, the poem is only that long, okay? And then uh, the introduction, uh, you know, it was only that, that thick, right? And then it's... Uh, Nipam Rimshe's uh, commentary uh, that, you know, it's like that thick. Yeah. <clears throat> so if we've read Nagarjuna, Tsongkhapa, and Chandrakirti, uh, we've read some of the key texts um, from India and uh, from Tibet on uh, Madhyamaka on emptiness. <clears throat> so at least for, at least with this uh, topic, we can say we we've read some primary texts. It's important, like that, really important. <clears throat> Particularly this text uh, um, with the commentary by Mipar Mirche is very interesting because uh, uh, he wants to reconcile some different interpretations uh, that uh, have come up in the course of uh, the Madhyamaka tradition. So those that have read the introduction and will be reading Mipar Mirche's commentary should find that interesting. Tsongkhapa and Nagarjuna and Chandrakirti particularly have uh, uh, tried to emphasize what's called a non-affirming negative. You should be familiar with that term, non-affirming negative. In other words, we're saying that something isn't there but we're not saying something else is. That's generally called uh, prasangika, you know, consequence. Uh, there's another uh, school or a sub-school of Madhyamaka, the Swatantrikas, who say, well, we, we will say this a negation of something, but we're also saying that something else might be there. So we're not, we're, we're doing kind of an affirming negative, right? So if somebody says, what kind of fruit is that? We might say, well, it's not an apple, but in a sense, we're saying it, it's some other kind of fruit because we're kind of answering the question, well, it's not an apple. Um, but if somebody says, uh, you know, is, is that an, 
a knock on the door and we say no, or there's no knock, not affirming negative, right? Like, you know, well, it's typical in couples. What, did you hear that? And you go, no, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> People don't like that, right? <laughs> they don't like non-affirming negatives. Like, I, I didn't hear anything. They want you to say, yeah, I heard, I heard that knock, you know. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. Is that like someone knocking at the door? Is that the wind hitting against, Right. Which, would, which seems most soothing to you? Let's say you ask someone who you know has really good hearing, and you'd say, did you hear anything? And the person goes, no, I didn't hear anything. Would you feel like, no, oh, good, relaxed? They didn't hear anything, so there's nothing to hear, right? Or if you didn't, or you didn't know the person that well, or if you heard something, like, a little kind of knock and the person said um, I didn't hear anything would you feel kind of ill at ease you might right because you heard it something but you didn't know what it was and the person said I, I didn't hear anything and you go God, you never hear anything we could you know could be an axe murder or you know Freddy's out there so but what if the person said I don't know what it is but I heard something too what, what, would that sound kind of interesting? Let's go check it out. I'll get the baseball bat or something. I don't know what that is, so I can't identify it. A little bit of a, a negative, but I heard it too. Something's there. That's a little bit like the Swatantrika idea. You know, something. We don't, you know, we're, we're, we're not affirming like there's any essence there, but. Uh, something's going on, right? Instead of just saying, I didn't hear anything. But it is possible that people have hallucinations, right? And they hear things and you go, no, they're... So, from um, Mipam Rinpoche's point of view, like, they're both useful, right? They're both useful, depending upon the situation and who we're talking to. They're both useful. <clears throat> there's, there's different ideas of how they're useful. But uh, when we take it down to these practical things, then you can see that it'll make a difference in our lives. Like if someone, if we're in a lot of turmoil and someone says, um, I, I, you know, or a situation that we're upset about, and the person says, um, I don't see anything wrong here. Would that be soothing, or would that be really annoying? It, it makes a difference. On um, Maybe we could say on... Would you feel more comfortable? Well, on an absolute level, there's really nothing wrong with you. Would that feel good? No? 
still feels like, oh, I'm not understood. I know something's wrong with me, and you're just giving me this, there's nothing wrong with you, blow off, invalidation bullshit. But that's what we're saying in Dzogchen. Sorry, there's, not sorry, but there's nothing wrong with you. It takes a lot of background to uh, hear that without there's still with a without a butt afterwards, right? Or maybe it sounds better to say um, um, your uh, your mind and your being is inherently perfectly pure. Does that sound better than saying there's nothing wrong with you? Does that sound better? Or can you still say, I feel broken, so how can you tell me it's all pure? It does make a difference who's telling you, yeah. If you trust them, that's exactly right. That's the path aspect. It makes a big difference. But even when we trust others, sometimes when we, when we hear very deep teachings, like um, things are fundamentally um, perfect, you ever get pissed off? Like I was, I'm going over um, a, a Mahamudra prayer by one of the Karmapas, very famous prayer in the Kargyu sect um, school, with a commentary by the present um, Tai Situ, and uh, he's really a wonderful teacher. And he goes, well. Okay, guys, he's, he's in Germany, and it's being translated from German into English. And he goes, oh, let's just sum it up. Everything's perfect. <laughs> like that. And, you know, let's say you paid a lot of money to fly to Germany, and your life, had been, your life hasn't been all that good. And maybe, in, you know, you lost your bags in Frankfurt or something. Uh, you know, and then the teacher's going, looking very nice. And, yeah, actually, I just want to give you the basis of Mahamudra. Everything's perfect just as it is. Would you feel like, is that liberating? Do you feel great about it? Yeah. You could, yeah. Um, with, with either of these approaches, when we're talking about Madhyamaka, whether we're talking about a non-affirming negative or an affirming negative, if we haven't done any practice and study behind it, the words are just kind of hollow. It's the same way if we read words on the paper, I love you, um, it's like, okay, we got the words, but if someone we really care about says that, it has a different impact, right? Likewise, if mentioned over the years here, uh, if you're in a certain kind of relationship with somebody and they go, um, you know, I don't love you anymore, I want a divorce, that's going to have more of an impact than just, you know, reading on a paper, right? So it, the, the words, the Madhyamaka approach, or even when we're doing later Yogacara approach, if we're not engaged in the practice, they will be empty words. If, if we're not doing all the different practices, it won't have any traction. So 
we might have a more interest in hearing like um, you know, there's nothing wrong with you or we might have an interest in you have a Buddha nature developing whatever your words are but it won't have traction it'll just have words so uh, I'm glad that the people that are studying are also practitioners right otherwise it won't make any sense But when we're doing the meditation on these practices, you're reasoning Chandrakirti or Nagarjuna or Sankhapa, you have to you have to bring it into your your own life. We have to um, think, okay, if someone gives me a non-affirming negative in a certain situation, think about it. Like I was kind of thrilled last well in July, Judy says, well, um, the account says you don't owe any quarterlies. <laughs> no quarter, you know, no payment, right? No time. But that's, you know, that's a great non-affirming negative, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yay, okay. Um, but in other cases, we might want to hear uh, an affirming negative, like, um, well, it's, it's not cancer, but you, you do have a non-cancerous cyst. So we're going to have to take it out, right? you got a cyst. You know you do. But, um, so you don't want someone to say, like New Age style, like, it's okay, something. Well, it's, it's not cancerous, but we're going to have to take it out. Um, yeah, so that would be like that. So it, we're, we're negating something, but we're implying or affirming something else. <clears throat> From uh, a deep practice point, point of view, um, Mahamudra or Dzogchen, which is very difficult practice, which, by the way, uh, I promised my teacher I would teach in a traditional way, and we'll have a one-day, um, if you're here on November 30th, that weekend of Thanksgiving. Are you propping your hand up, or do you? Okay, go for it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, You'll fall into some kind of hole. And uh, then we generally go to our teacher. or uh, That's why we have to actually study as a group. Um, uh, Because... Uh, it's hard to see something that isn't there. That's why it's hard to realize the non-affirming negative side of emptiness. 
rather than just the affirming side. Um, horribly, about two weeks after um, my teacher Geshe Gautso died in 1998, um, someone broke into the Dharma Center and stole everything. Um, well, they had a key, so they got her, and I don't know who it was to this day. Um, but it, it took me about two weeks to realize something was lost. And um, I decided one morning, like, you know, I need to get some exercise. I'm just going to go on, you know, get on my bike and get on the bike path, the trail. So, I mean, this was just a one-bedroom apartment on Watt Avenue, okay? So I went where my bike was kind of leaning against the wall on the other side of the refrigerator to take it downstairs. No bicycle. It's that hard to see. You know, it wasn't until I needed to use it that I, I saw it wasn't there. So that's why we, we have to try to use the, we have to use certain, I have to prompt students to use certain skills to find out where the holes are. Otherwise you won't see it. Um, but sometimes you see it yourself when you kind of fall in a hole or someone else says, you know, it looks like you're falling into a hole. And um, sometimes that's because we just, we didn't see it coming because the need didn't arise. Even though, like when we're reading, uh, uh, you know, Gurimshe Yeshe Tsogo, we're reading Garab Dorje, um, you know, we're reading Pataramshe or Shabkar or Long Tempa, some of my favorites, and, or in Mahamudra reading, you know, Talopa, um, Mahamudra, uh, the way it is in practice, as uh, from working with the teacher, is uh, at some point you're going to get a big non-affirming negative. You're going to have. You're going to get a big no. Lamala, will you? <laughs> That's <was> good. <laughs> James beat me to it. Well, no. <laughs> um, yeah, you're just going to, you know, somebody's going to, well, could you just explain where I went wrong? And the teacher would go, no. Well, that's it. Because you haven't gone wrong, but you believe you have gone wrong. I heard someone moan over there. <laughs> Sometimes the. Well, if you say it, sometimes in a kind of like, you know, the you know kind of California Dharma psychobabble bullshit way. You know, you're just fine as you are, and you're lovable, and it's okay. And, you know, it's like you, you don't get it because you're still clinging to something. You're still wanting some confirmation of self. 
you're still kind of thinking, well, there's a broken self that needs fixing, right? So uh, from a practical, from a teaching point of view, when you, at some point the teacher has to give you, uh, you know, a non-affirming <laughs> negative, to use that very scholarly, you know, just say no. Are you going to tell me what's wrong? No. Am I wrong to ask what's wrong? And then maybe silence. Shakyamuni was silent quite a bit, right? Which, uh, you know, we can read, we can read in uh, uh, many of the Dzogchen texts, also Mahamudra, like, you're not letting go, you're not letting be. You're not holding on, you're not letting go, right? And you go, well, did you explain that? Well, we're always trying to figure something out. Um, so, uh, I'm a little bit grandmotherly. So, I'm willing to do more explanation because people are beginners in Sacramento. Um, but uh, many times, uh, just like Shakyamuni, you know, like I'm going to be silent, and my teachers were silent. And Maybe it has some, you know, psychoanalytic basis, like you withholding prick. You're not going to, you know, like that. You know, the <laughs> anger against the father figure comes up or the mother figure, yeah. You withholding, you know, like schizophrenic mother. You're not going to tell me I'm lovable, you know. So, but do you see how the grasping is there, right? And the projection is there. So many times the teachers are just... Because if you want to be in a place where you need to hold on or let go, mm-hmm. yeah, of course, you know. So that's when. That's when we go, well, I guess I better crawl back to my cushion and do some more sitting. <laughs> That's right. Okay. <laughs> the rain, too, is part of the process. The rain is part of the process. Yeah, so, of course, uh, you know, that can be very frustrating. But um, uh, there are times where to give an affirming negative would would just be, you know, um, you know, giving a drink to the alcoholic. Yes. Affirming, yeah. Oh, definitely, they're t- very, very powerful to use affirmings, or just affirmings. 
Yeah. And once again, it, it uh, there there are going to be actually pith instructions, which are Upadesha, which is always based on the right time, the right place, the right person. All the teachings are basically oral. They're just kind of written down, you know, because Indians like to debate. And if, if you don't win the debate, you lose the monastery, so you better know your shit. But it's always going to be a, per, you know, a particular person, a particular place, a particular time. So all the teachings are like that. It's interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it it I don't know why, you know. Uh, we can always explain things afterwards, <laughs> like oh that person was ready to do it, so they were able to just drop stuff and and you know feel uh, open, right, or transparent, which is one way of personalizing emptiness, emptying or transparent or open, right, um, and and other people just like this, you know? So we, we can always say, well, there's karma, but that's kind of a backwards, easy explanation. It's generally going to be um, uh, either more practice or uh, in some cases even stop practicing like that. <laughs> People want to hear that every once in a while. <laughs> Yeah. Usually that's uh, uh, um, maybe we'll we'll go into some of that on November 30th. I've recommended a book that uh, is an overview that's on the recommended list um, by Andy Carr called uh, Contemplating Reality. So it's it's like this kind of color. This is like an incense stick there, right? So if people want to read kind of an overview, kind of, it's okay. Anybody read that one? Yeah. I want people to struggle, but, you know, if it's... <laughs> that was a reach. That would happen on a train if you were in India and you saw someone going for your purse and you're just going to lunge. So, contemplating reality. So, uh, uh, Andy goes into uh, you know, these, these kind of things. Um, so, it might be more digestible, right? But just reading the introduction to um, uh, Chandrakirti by the Pamakara translation group would be good. Yeah. My goal in these talks isn't to tell you, well, this is the doctrine. I want you to read it and figure it out. The goal in my Monday talks here is to get people into the path aspect of how to approach this material and make it 
in a part of your practice. It's easy, or it's hard. That makes sense, right? Uh, the the Dzogchen and Mahamudra practitioners um, may may not have the same level of formal training, but they all have very incredibly sharp intellect. Right? So we're training, we're training intellect, the ability to perceive, the ability to contrast things, the, the ability to use all the aspects of the mind. We're not trying to say we're shutting this off and not using it in Tantra, Mahamudra and Dzogchen, we're using all the aspects. So uh, whether you're reading the text or not, um, to have some stable realization, you, you actually have to have um, more than a butter knife. You, you actually have to sharpen the blade. Another, or Trunk Paramshe said, you can't be a stupid meditator. <laughs> it's own brilliant way. No. No. You can't have idiot compassion and you can't be a stupid meditator. <clears throat> so, of course, in the Buddhist time uh, and before that, nobody had read Nagarjuna, right? Or Chandrakirti, or Sankapa, or Longchampa, or Mipamrimshe, or, you know. But they had the same kind of very, very sharp uh, understanding of language and how the mind works. So we can't just say, well, if we don't know anything, then we're closer to enlightenment or something like that. That makes sense, right? Yeah. So you could, there, there are these incredible rare individuals like Mipam Remshe um, and uh, was like Jigme Lingpa, his golden tonkas in, in the back there, um, who, through their meditative practice, they could just read a text and know exactly what it said. That's not us, right? So when you read it, if you think you know exactly what's being said, you probably have fallen into the hole. So it, it's better to kind of go, well, I'm getting a sense of that. I'm getting a sense of the argument. I'm getting a sense of what, uh, how language is being used and how it's connected with the experience and I need more clarification. That, that kind of humility is good for our students. But at some point when we read the text, it, it's uh, in our practice, it should just seem so obvious that you can't, you know, this is like, well, yeah. That's a nice feeling. How many people have already made it through Madhyamaka Vatara already? Second time through? Okay. 
Yeah, good. Yeah, the root verses. Go, you know, go through the root verses. It helps to read the introduction too. You know, form your own opinions. You know, you can read through the root verse a couple of times, and you don't have to read Nepom's commentary, right? You just form some of your own ideas. That's what I ask for people in the uh, the essays and the questions, right? Form some of your own ideas. You know, like, what are you coming up with? <clears throat> but, yeah, it's really fabulous. It says, you know, like when when you read the good commentaries, you realize, wow, this person just saved me like years of lost in the brambles, right? You, know, you become very appreciative. <clears throat> So uh, next uh, time, what's what's two Mondays? You know, like I'm going to talk. Uh, this October has been long, so I'm also going to talk about Chandrakirti, like the first. Uh, is that right? The first Monday. When am I here? Second and fourth Mondays. Yeah, our first, yeah. so I'll be here to talk again by November 11th, right? Everyone will have read it by then who wants to do it, right? You don't have to get to the next one by next week? No, okay. I'm trying to go with the flow here. I, you know, I don't want to... I can't get too far ahead of the troops here. So. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing a lot here, you know, we hosted um, first wonderful uh, Tara Mandla, and then, you know, so, some people here, myself, did a fundraiser for Middle Way Health Foundation, and then Dr. Altshuler was here, Justin, so I mean, a lot of people have been doing a lot of stuff, and there hasn't been that, maybe that much time to read, right? So I get that. <clears throat> I want people to come with probing, difficult questions, showing that they've read the text, and then makes it easier for me, right? Makes it more fun. I want to have fun too, right? That's okay. That's legitimate, right? You should get something out of this too, don't you think? Sorry. Yeah. No, you're not boring. <laughs> <laughs> Just like. <laughs> I, mean, I like, you know. It's, it's kind of fun when people, you know, we can have a little bit of a debate and, you know, it's kind of fun when we get a little further along, people could say, well, you know, it's like, Nagarjuna, you know, come, come with, Nagarjuna said this and Sankhava said this and you're saying this, why are you saying this, you know, like, I, I, I like to be pushed a little bit, right? Renee will do it, won't you? Yeah. Oh, got to read them then. No, a, a spectator pusher. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. 
Manjushi Kumara, the, which Kumara means uh, youthful. Yeah. Uh, because uh, the blissful wisdom mind is always completely now, ageless. So the, the, the mind, the wisdom mind, uh, Zogchen is completely, uh, completely present and ageless, so it's always youthful. It's always fresh, completely fresh, completely on the spot. Um, you know, doesn't is not it's not born, so it's not aging or dying. Though so it's it's youthful. Though so it's using kind of metaphor, and Manjushri is uh, you know seen as that kind of eternally uh, youthful wisdom awareness. Yeah. No, this is still this is still this is how it is text. But um, I'm just bringing I'm inviting people to bring it more and more into you know their their meditation more and more. Just think of the practical examples. We should be able when we get the basics. You know, we should be able to then make it more and more practical as we go on. We have to learn a little bit of arithmetic as kids before, like, a parent says, you know, go buy a dozen apples. Right? We have to learn just some stuff before we're able to operationalize things. So, sometimes we have to just read this kind of almost pure, this is the way it is. So, the one's parent isn't going to be excited if you if you just come back and I got a bunch of apples and I really love apples and they taste good where he or she she your mom sending you said you know I want you to get 12 Macintosh apples and you came back with three grannies or something but you said no they're really they're really nice I love three grannies and you go well you didn't get it you got apples but you know so sometimes we have to learn you know, the, the definitions and, and the way it is first before um, we're able to put it into practice. Yes? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Honest. Uh, a basic definition is like, what is mind? Mind is that which perceives. So, I mean, it sounds kind of like, almost like, what? What? That's all, we, you know, it's which know and perceives, that which knows and perceives. Yeah. So, um, if, uh, you know, it's, it's impossible to know it or perceive it, then um, does it exist? Well, in our ontology now. If the mind can't know it, it doesn't exist. 
where kind of in the Western thought we could say, well, we'll never, well, I'll never really know whether there's God or not or what's really going on, but I, something's going on, but we can't ever know it. It's so kind of an agnostic, skeptical position. There is no agnostic, skeptical position in classical Dharma. What is reality? So we can define that. Reality is what a Buddha sees. So there's no, we're not trying to figure out, well, what would reality be if everyone was dead and we, you know, <laughs> and, you know, it doesn't make sense from a Buddhist point of view. Reality is what a Buddha sees. See, that's, that's totally different the way we normally think is that, no, the more we take ourselves out of the equation or the less we know <laughs> the more we're getting closer to objective reality. It's a little bit the scientific model, of course. Not really, but that's the pop science thing. But reality is what a Buddha sees. There was something yeah. in the root verse uh, Yeah, that's what we want. We want we want things to jump out at us, so we kind of go. Oh. You know, mind is that which knows and perceives, and real is what a realized person sees, experiences. <clears throat> so the. Um, when we're dreaming being chased by the tiger um, it feels real in the dream, doesn't it? But when we awake the basic metaphor or thing in Buddhism is there's no tiger and we weren't being chased We're not denying that there was uh, dreaming going on. So dreams are a good, I like talking about dreams because they're a good way to illustrate, you know, like uh, conventional truth, which is a truth and absolute truth. So we're, we're having a dream. We're not saying you're not dreaming, but, and we're not saying there isn't dream content, like images of, tiger and we're experiencing fear in the dream we're not denying that you know because people can scream in dreams right and maybe even have heart attacks in dreams I don't know I don't know but it's not it's not a real tiger it's 
Well, we would we would say, yeah, that we know you we know you had a dream. So there's actual phenomena, but the phenomena is empty of having objective reality. You know, we're not saying there's nothing you didn't have anything. There are times when we might say something's totally uh, you know, we get a total non but in that case, yeah, the, the, you know, there wasn't really a tiger. It's very difficult um, uh, to overcome trauma on just our regular world if we don't have some grasp of a non-affirming negative. Because at some point, to be free of trauma, we have to realize it's not happening now. Right? Of course, our nervous system can, you know, feels like it's happening now. But at some point, to really recover from horrific trauma, or even small trauma, we realize it's not happening right now. It's just not happening right now. The anxiety attack is happening right now. Yes. So that would be a conventional truth. But um, the past is not happening now. What we want to do uh, in the past situation is recognize that memory is different than now. And that's difficult because um, the, uh, why we have to work through all this stuff. I hope I'm not leaving anybody. This is kind of yogi shop talk, right? I'm sorry if someone wanted to talk on be a nice person and don't get angry. If you wanted that kind of talk, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go read Pema Chodron or something. Um, it's, it's very hard, and in why Mahamudra and Dzogchen is very hard is because we mistake the generic image or the memory for the actual experience. It's just so strong. It's so incredibly strong. So... You know, like poets talk about, you don't look, you know, look at the actual tree, just don't look at, well, that's a tree, you know. It's very difficult because we learn language and we organize our world and simplify it through universals and generic images and concepts that just make it so much easier to, you know, be fluid. But then the world gets duller and duller, and when you want to see things, uh, you know, like we call naked awareness, then you just can't rip that mask off. It just is so hard because we're going to be looking through a memory that has a conceptual structure, and that's the generic image. It's so close that we don't see it. You see that? 
So if samsara, if the generic image in the actual phenomena, whether it's uh, mind phenomena or body phenomena, were really different, it would be really easy. Dharma would be easy to go, oh, shit, yeah, I got it, you know. Um, but they're so close. And we've worked so hard to kind of harder and harder and harder every year to make the generic image just kind of merge into uh, the naked awareness image, right? Or na- just naked awareness. So it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's like old glass that's got, you know, like it's seeped in, you know, and you clean your old glass windshield or window. And you never get it clean, right? Because it's absorbed it. Yeah. You can see how hard it is. Like if you just like this. What's the difference between these two pictures? Yeah. They're designed by somebody who's really good at fooling you optically. Right. It's really hard. Yeah. To see the actual difference between. So and yes, exactly. So uh, in my Midway Health office, I have a book called Nudge, or Nudge, you know, and the optical illusion with two tables. I've shown this to some people, and one, one of the uh, graphics is the table is this way, and another one's the table is this way. Maybe, probably I've shown this to somebody, right? And one looks just thicker and bigger than the other. And, I, you know, if you look at it, well, which table is bigger than this one? And then I go, no, they're the same. People go, no way. And so I say, you know, I have a little piece of paper and I just say, you know, mark it out here and just do it. And even after measuring it, people go, no, no, something's wrong and you know, we remeasure it. But even after knowing they're the same, but just the way it's positioned fools the brain, we can't see it. trying to do, particularly from Madhyamaka point of view, which also is a big part of Mahamudra and Dzogchen, is not, you know, try to change our brain function, right? Not to try to, you know, say, well, when I look at them, I've got to see them as the same. But to just know they are the same. Which is a different mind than the surface mind that, you know, puts it together in a certain perceptual way. Because you just know that. Yeah, you just, you, you just, you know, like you've heard of it, like they're the same. So you go, okay, they're the same. Just like we know, you know, traveling on the freeway, you see, you know, like a little water, and it's 110 degrees in Bakersfield, and you know it's a mirage, right? So the Madhyama, why we're studying this way is we want to develop a mind that, like, we just know they're the same. We just know there there is no uh, there's no behind to phenomena. There's no underneath to a phenomena. It's just mere appearance, even though it looks like it's really there. 
So you want to have that ability to meditate on that mind. You see, you're doing, you're doing direct uh, practice on that mind. It's a little bit more subtle, right? Do you get it? You know, like, let's say you go, okay, I know you look at these little tables, you know, I don't have an example today. And what is it that knows that from like, okay, I got it. I know they're the same. Even though my eyes and a certain gross part of my brain is being fooled, I know that they're the same, right? You see what I'm saying? Can you meditate on that mind? That's what we're aiming at. But a lot of times people go, well, I just know it. I don't know how I could meditate on that mind, you know, because I'm just seeing the gross aspect of the mind and I'm seeing them as one larger and one smaller. And you'll be totally effed up in your Dharma practice if you think, well, the purpose of the Dharma practice is I've got to, you know, I've got to get it so, you know, I'm seeing the optical illusion as not an optical illusion. You'll waste a lot of time, and I can tell you a lot of people in this room will waste a lot of time. So I'm trying to save you some time, right? So we're not trying to overcome the, you know, the conventional truth. We're trying to see the absolute truth, which is they're the same. But that knowing mind is a little different, isn't it? It doesn't feel like something you can immediately meditate on, right? You always feel like you just want to meditate on conventional mind and get conventional mind better. It doesn't seem like it's something that we would define as a mind. Yeah, it doesn't seem like something you would define as a mind, but it is a knowing. If we say, I know they're the same. Even though, yeah, you just know. Well, it doesn't seem like you can get your hand around it. It's just like, well, I just know. And somebody would say, well, how do you just know? Well, now I know because we measured it, so I know. And people go, well, is knowing a thing or did something change in your brain? You go, well, you know, I looked at it a bunch of times and now I know. So instead of trying, you know, so it's that knowing mind we're after. That's prajna, right? Not jhana yet or yeshe, but that's prajna, like... You know, that discriminate, like, okay, I know the difference between trying to improve a conventional mind and just that, that knowing. But you can meditate just on the one that knows that's just a mirage. That's what you're meditating on to develop prajna and to do heart sutra. And you think, oh, that seems so impossible. It just... Why, why can't I just look at a flower or do my breath or, you know, visualize something, you know, which is great for shamatha, but you won't be able to negotiate the world because you'll still think, you know, wrong, right? Because you won't operate from knowing. So when we say mind is that which knows, that's the knowing that's the kind of knowing mind we're getting at, right? It's like we know the world, the earth goes around the sun, but we still talk about sunrise. Sun yes, yeah. So even the Buddha taught, Amichitsana. So using conventional language, conventional truth. Okay, but we're not fooled, and we know. So you, what we're doing is, uh, when we're doing this style of Madhyama, it's, it's Mahayana Prajnaparamita style, not quite doing... Mahamudra Dzogchen yet but you have to get that you have to get like oh that's what we're after here 
the one that knows, even though it appears to be different, it's the same. Even though it appears to be water, it's just an empty appearance. It does not signify water. Yes. nice affirmation with a certain kind of non-affirming negative with an affirmation. So we want to take uh, this this structure of, of pointing to this kind of experience like how do you know that what what is the mind that knows it's a mirage and meditate on that. Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's totally Dada like that. Um, uh, that's kind of close. That would be like beat Zen, you know. That's Dada beat Zen, you know, rather than real Madhyamaka. Because uh, it, it's clever, though. That's a good question. Uh, it, 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 it actually is pointing to a knowing like that. The, the painting uh, is very much uh, what we, you know, we could say it's not, okay, you know, well, this is not, you know, a pipe. Would be like a non-affirming negative. Um, <clears throat> but it's also talking about an objective reality. And just briefly, we need to do a little meditation. Is there is there's this kind of way we can talk about objective emptiness and subjective emptiness, right? Sounds funny to put it that way, but but by saying, you know. A, a chair, there's no essence to a chair, it's made up of parts, is kind of talking about a so-called objective phenomena. And usually teachers will start off with that because we can all kind of see the chair, at least conventionally, and then kind of go, yeah, I get it, you know, there's no cosmic chair existing as an arc Platonian uh, archetype, and it can be torn apart, right? But it's harder to apply that to our internal workings of mind, right? Which is why we have to meditate. Because when we're just usually talking our daily life, it, it, it doesn't seem like we're, we're just a, you know, a made-up self, does it? No, it doesn't. It feels like, well, we're me, and that's that. It's harder to do subjective emptiness, right? Yeah, you know, someone's saying, you know, it's like Descartes, cargato ergo sum, you know. I'm thinking, so I must exist, right? Yeah, you know, like in California, you know, every feeling is real. 
<laughs> if I feel it, it's true. I feel you're an asshole. You are, you know, so. <laughs> yes. So that, you know, when when you, we really get into this kind of madhyamaka, you know, meat grinder, it, it really helps us illuminate actually how the mind works and how the thinking process works. So it isn't like we're just trying to come up with the right picture of reality. That would be really a misuse. We're trying to, you know, like figure out how 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 is it that we believe our gross level of senses, which are dominated by a gross level of mind, and how is it, why is it so hard to realize uh, absolute nature like they're the same? Should be easy, right? But it's hard to meditate on that mind, on that project of mind that uh, just realizes mirage, just realizes... um, you know, okay, I can I can still feel one way, but that doesn't mean that's lasting forever. It's difficult, right? Yeah, if it, if it was easy, everyone would do it. You know, so of course we know it's, we're not trying to say it's in California, as opposed to New York, where everything's hard. <laughs> Growing up in New York. <laughs> I've told the story like when um, one of my lineage teachers um, visited. Um, so how's it going? Uh, you should never take that as a, um, a children room show. You, you know, it's funny. You should never take that as an innocent question. Um, I don't know. I was in a manic mood that day, and I said, "It's going good." It's easy. And he like lost his shit. Just totally. <laughs> like he started to get up to leave. And he says, "Well, you don't need me then." There were like twenty people, or thirty people sitting in the room, and I had to scramble. So it's hard, right? It's hard. We we have time for a short meditation, but try to take the mind that knows. Right, that that's a mirage. The mind that knows can see both the mirage and knowing that it's not. Can you take can you take that mind as your uh, meditation? You could, you could. A little little tricky right here. A little tricky right here. Uh, you know, to you could because it's possible to solidify. Prajna a little bit. If you don't, if you don't solidify prajna, then you have jhana, right? Yeah. Funny. You coming back? Yeah. Why? <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, we have ten minutes. Ten minutes on meditation on that 
awareness. That should be enough, right? You know, babies are made in less than 10 minutes. Come on, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It could be. This has been a Lion's Roar Dharma Center recording. For more information, visit lionsroardharmacenter.org.